Attention, Austin guitar players and bass players. Are you in need of setup or repair on your axe? Well, I have the guy for you, gang. That's Jason Swedberg over at J. Scott Luthery, and you can find him at J. Scott Luthery on Instagram. Now, if you listen to the show, you know I've been talking about Jason for years. Why is that? Because I've been taking my guitars to Jason for over 20 years. Not only does he do the best job, but he has the best prices and the fastest service in town. Again, find him at J. Scott Luthery on Instagram. Not only is he doing an amazing job, repairing and setting up guitars he is now building guitars that's right he built me an sg junior which i have and it sounds amazing it feels great it's it's the very first sg junior he ever built i've got a j scott luthery sg junior you can go see him at uh, j scott luthery on instagram get a guitar built get your guitars fixed get them set up j scott luthery on instagram let's get down hey gang i want to thank you for listening to this episode of how did i get here I know you have a lot of choices out there, and the fact that you're listening to this episode right now is not lost on me, so thank you. I'm not sure what platform you're listening on, but whatever platform you're on, give us a follow. And if you like what you hear, leave us a rating. It takes just a second, and it means the world to me. Plus, it really helps the show. So thank you in advance. And remember, the last 100 episodes of How Did I Get Here are available on all streaming services. Now, enjoy the show. Johnny, I'm your host. Welcome to the show. I hope you guys all had a good week, whatever it is you did this week. I've had a very good week. In fact, uh, gang, I do want to remind you guys that if you are listening to this show the day that it comes out, Friday, November 10th, and you live in New York City, Skyrocket is playing there tonight. We're doing a public show at Hill Country Barbecue. Now, it has been eight or nine years since we played a public show there, so it's we're all a little nervous to see what kind of crowd we have left. Hopefully people will come out and party. But if you live there in New York City and you're listening to this show on Friday, November 10th, please uh, go to skyrockettheband.com, look up our tour dates, click on that, and you'll find out what time we're playing, how to get tickets and everything. I don't think it's a very expensive show, and it should be a shitload of fun. Very excited to go there. We're actually playing on, uh, we're doing a public show on Friday and then playing a private show on Saturday in the same place at Hill Country Barbecue. So I'm pretty excited about that. Haven't been to New York in so long. I haven't been in like five years myself. And uh, I'm looking forward to it. Looking forward to walking the streets. You know, weed's legal, right? So I'm probably going to pick up one of those disposable vape pens, keep it on my person, and, you know, hit it whenever I want to. Because it'll be legal and freedom in the streets of New York. I'm pretty excited about that. Visiting friends. My friend Joseph has his bar sleepwalk there. I get to go to it. I'm going to go Saturday night after our gig, hang out, hopefully not too terribly late. I'm going to see my old pal Jake Flores, who's been on the show a few times. Comedian. He hasn't been on in like 10 years, but he moved out to New York like, I don't know, probably like nine or 10 years ago. And uh, he's been living there. I'm really looking forward to seeing him. Anyway, I'm excited for this show, uh, these shows in New York. Excited to get back to the big city. Excited to walk around, be on foot Saturday and Sunday. Hit maybe a museum or something. Definitely going to hit the Central Park for a walk on Saturday or Sunday. Not sure when, if you're listening to the show. And you know me, hit me up. Let's go for a walk. Let's do it. 
And if you live in New York and you come out to the show on Friday night, uh, tonight, Friday, November 10th, hit, uh, come say hi to me. Say, hey, I heard it on the show. Good to see you. Yeah. All right. Gang, uh, I, another thing I do want to talk about, geez, Louise, man, those elections went by on Tuesday. They're bringing in the results on Wednesday. And some of the things that gave me hope was that Americans uh, spoke up about abortion. That's a nice thing because the, the, the thing that's gotten me most worried, uh, honestly, over the last couple of weeks hasn't so much been the, the politicians. It's like, who, who are these people that are voting for these people? You know what I mean? Like, I mean, you, it's, it's weird that a guy running uh, for president, a former president, and indicted like whatever four times has uh, 92 counts of, of illegal stuff against him, all of this stuff. And he's ahead by like 50 to 60 points in the polls. <laughs> like, so, you know, you start freaking out and you say you get mad at the politician themselves, but then you think to yourself, who are these people that are voting for him? What's wrong with these people? But I do get a sense of, uh, of calm when, when people go to the polls and, and they vote their, uh, their idea and, and to realize that, that abortion should not be, uh, illegal. It should be, it should be kept legal and, and there for the people who need it for safety, for health reasons. Anyway, I do want to point that out. Every once in a while, you got to point it out. Like, oh, thank God, there's a, a modicum of uh, of normalcy in this country that we live in. You know, uh, that leads me to today's guest. Today's guest uh, had this band, like, maybe 20 years ago. I think that's when it was. We have a really good talk about it. It was called the George Bush Singers. And they played these shows and they made these recordings. It was a big deal around town. I went out and saw them, had a lot of my friends in it. But the, but the, but the ringleader... In that whole thing was my friend Steve McAllister. You know him as a bass player uh, playing with so many bands in the 90s and 2000s here in Austin. Uh, bands like Plum. He played with Casey Crowley. He played with so many people. He names all the people that he played with, and it's insane. Uh, but he moved on to, to making music uh, for the Wo- World Economic Forum, doing jingles, um, and, and af- that's after the George Bush singers. And he just went into doing all of this kind of stuff that really kind of like pays the bills, you know? has a child and all this stuff. But over COVID, he decided that he was going to make a solo record, his first solo record. His name is Steve McAllister. All right. He's a good friend of mine from back in the 90s. Known him since he was in the band Plum uh, here in Austin. He's got a brand new record out called I Hope You Are Okay. It's produced by Steve McAllister. You can find him at stevemcallistermusic.com. You can find him on Spotify. Find it wherever it is you stream and download music. But dudes, this is the deal. Like, Not only is this a great record that he made on his own and he produced himself, but this dude went out and got all of these major jammers on the record. Uh, my friend Donnie Wynn, who's this incredible drummer, uh, one of the first guests on the podcast as well who played with Robert Palmer. Um, I can't remember the funky, so many bands, so many bands, so many great artists, legendary drummer, Raphael Gale, who's played with everyone from Charlie Sexton to AHA to Leonard Cohen, another old friend of mine. I love this dude. But on guitar, he got Dave Gregory from XTC. He got Dave Gregory from XTC plays guitar on this record. I hope you're okay. So if you're a nerd, an XTC nerd, you come check out what he did on Steve's record. He did an amazing job. This record is fantastic. I'm really proud of Steve. He brought me a puzzle uh, that we kind of talk about at the beginning of the thing. And I, I have not opened it or tried to make it yet. I, I will do it at some point. I know he sent me a message saying like, hey, did you try that puzzle out yet? Which is weird. <laughs> it's weird for two dudes in their 50s. Like, hey, did you check out that puzzle I gave you? Just kind of surreal. But I will check out the puzzle. I'll check it out. But you need to get out as as listeners. Get out and check out this album. I hope you are okay. 
fantastic record. Go to stevemcallister.com, find out what's going on with him. I really enjoyed catching up with him. We have a really great conversation about this uh, TV pilot that he made that me and Donnie Wynn and Michael Fracasso and the late, great George Reef were in and uh, all kinds of people that were amazing on that, on that recording. And uh, about, about writing, writing songs, writing songs with Martha Davis from the motels in a hotel room, uh, going to school in Boston and Berkeley at Berkeley, uh, at Berkeley College of Music and then coming down to Austin. Great conversation. Uh, Steve's a really great dude. He's a super smart dude and he's a fantastic musician. As I said, get out there and check out. I hope you are okay and enjoy my conversation with my dear old friend, Steve McAllister. Let's get down. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Fantastic job. That was a COVID album, a whole COVID endeavor? Uh, Mostly. Some of it I'd started a little bit before, and I'd been knocking around some of those songs for a while, but I was, uh, you know, I used to be way more prolific. I had way more time, but now, uh, yeah, I just started to, uh, I started to record these, and I was like, I'm going to really try to do something cool. So what'd you do? Because you, you had people from all over the, the country uh-huh. and a, an English guy too uh-huh. on there? Yeah. Uh, where's Raphael's in... Uh, Arkansas. In, in Ar- Arkansas? Yeah. Bentonville or something? Or, uh, that seems to be a place where people are going now. I don't know. <laughs> it's not. I know it's not too far from like uh, Little Rock and some other stuff. Okay. But I'd, I'd be if I quoted it, I'm sure I'd get it wrong. Outside of the fact that he's a great drummer, what made you choose Ruff, Raphael uh, over somebody else? Um, over Why did you choose him instead of Darren Murphy? I'm just no, joking. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing against Darren. Darren's no, played no, on no, my records. I love Darren's playing. Yeah. He's great. Um, I had been working you know, in person with Donnie Wynn a lot. And he played right. on a, a bunch of my other stuff. And uh, I've, kn- I've just known Raphael forever. Right. And uh, we... We tried to do a band together like back in the 90s with a couple other guys that just never really got out of rehearsal stage. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, who were the other guys? Uh, a guy named Jason Crow, who plays with his dad, Alvin Crow. Okay. Plays like serious. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All yeah. the country stuff. Um, but he played, I guess he was playing guitar and Whit Williams. Oh, man. And One then of my favorite. Me. Oh, Whit's great. Yeah. One of my all time favorites. Yeah. Superhero. Oh, they were all on that. Okay, so that makes sense. Those, that's your crew. That when we did that session, however long ago it was, when you had easily mm-hmm. one of the best ideas for a TV <laughs> show that obviously was never going to get picked up because it was just too, like no one. There was no. There was no scenario where I was going to throw a drink in Fracasso's face. So you realize <laughs> it's not going to get on television. Well, that, but see, <laughs> that's the thing, though. So like, <laughs> the other problem with that is like I did that. I don't know how many years ago now, but we did it. And uh, it was amazing. Thank you, by the way. That oh, was yeah. a, such a fun experience and such a cool, it's such a great feeling. What uh, Basically, very quickly, it was a, a scenario where you were filming a show yeah. where two songwriters come together at noon, yeah. write a song until three, break for lunch, band shows up at four, you teach them the song, everyone's done by like six or whatever. Yeah, and the <laughs> whole idea was, at, um, 
to have one take that worked. So right. it, one did. really good take. So it couldn't be, you could mix it, but you couldn't overdub it or add anything. So if you fucked it up, right. it's gone. But so, you brought in these champions of like these super, like I didn't even, I said, see that video and I didn't even, like it's one of those scenarios where I'm like, well, I'm not going to play anything, but why, why do I have to play guitar when Whit Williams is here? Right. So it was, it was great. So yeah, those were all guys I knew. Those were all guys I, I could call and ask like, hey, could you come do this thing? I could maybe pay you a little bit, but yeah. it's, you know, it's mostly this weird thing. Here's what it is. And everyone's like, uh, sure. It was and, fun, and check man. It, out. it was really, it was yeah. And I got a great song out of it. Yeah. Yeah, that was, it was really cool to watch that. And that's what I, that was like the whole conceit behind the show was like, get two people together and say, go, right. Yeah. And then, and kind of watch that whole development, which I find fascinating. I don't know how I'm many still other people kinda, do. I do too, but that's the kind of show I would watch all the time. But even while we were doing it, I was like, I kind of feel like this is too cool for like people to be like, oh, let's green light this. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know if you ever heard of it. After you did that, sorry to interrupt you, but after you did that, All Songs Considered did that. Really? They did a thing where they put two people together in a thing for a day and they wrote a song and they kind of, they didn't film it, but it was like audio recording. You could hear them kind of working on the song, turned into like a 30 minute show, one episode, never, never did another one. Because it's too great. Well, one of the things that happened is when I did it and I was kind of shopping it around, it's not like, you know, I'm a guy that can shop stuff around, but I've talked, I talked to everyone sure. I knew is pretty much what I did. And everybody, well, not everybody, but a lot of people came back and said, you know, if there was a way that you could like make this a competition and I'm like, right, exactly. no, yeah. it is not a competition. That's what I'm saying. Throwing a drink, like if Picasso right. and I would have gotten drunk and I would have been like, no, I wrote the chorus, you know, and threw, threw yeah. a drink in his face. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. We would be on, on Bravo right now. Yeah. Fisticuffs. <laughs> Fisticuffs for the bridge. <laughs> so real quick, just out of my own curiosity, who did you shop it to? Uh, just people that I knew. Like I have some friends who do, uh, who work in variety of stuff. Okay. Like one friend's a cinematographer and one friend is a production designer for other stuff. And I thought it looked great. Oh, yeah. I mean, I didn't see the whole final show, but the, the song, what you edited together to the song had really great. And plus, oh God, it's going to. I and, I, and I can't take credit for that. Like, I didn't edit that. The guy that uh, was manning the uh, the video stuff did that. He put it together. I thought it looked great. Yeah. There's a thing in there that I, I thank you so much for having out there and catching on film is me and George Reef laughing. Yeah. Like, that's a that was just, oh, God, it felt so good to see that. And it made me cry. But Oh, it's but yeah. uh, after. Uh, unfortunately, we had an issue where some of the data after X amount of time got erased or wiped or whatever from that. So all of that footage is gone, but I have a bunch of it. And once George passed, I reached out to his brother and I'm like, I got this footage. Do you want to see this? And he was like, Oh yeah. So it was really cool to have that for people. Yeah. Yeah, man. I miss that guy. Such a sweetheart. Yeah. That was, I think that was the last time I made music with him, which was great. Yeah. And it's all, it's on film. It's, um, it's recorded. Yeah. Yeah. I'd totally, it's funny that you remember that show so much because I, I don't think about it very often. Oh, you know? I, I was just like, man, this, I was so proud to be included. I was so, it's also one of those things where I'm really glad Michael and I wrote a really good song yeah. and that did get a gun because you know how many times you get together to write a song with someone and you're like, well, let's just go for a walk. <laughs> yeah, but it's, uh, but that was kind of, I don't know. I love that scare out a song thing. Yeah. You know, there was a, uh, I don't know if the group's still here in town where they do, they, 
we're bringing songwriters over from like Norway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Denmark. At the House of Songs. House oh, of yeah, Songs. Oh, yeah, that's still going on. They oh, got a new cool. house, yeah. I did one of those. You and did? it was great. Yeah. It was so much fun. I've done a few of those. I've, I, they've been really fun. I yeah. love doing that stuff. And, and, you know, a song scared right out of us. And I've had a couple other instances like that. Of, I mean, I've had the failures, too. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But I've had the other ones where it's like, well, we've only got 30 minutes. We've only got... I sat on a floor in a hotel room. Uh, I'm, I'm going to forget her name. Uh, she's the singer from The Motels. Oh, really? Martha. Martha. And we knocked out like two songs in really? like 30 minutes. And I, I have them recorded somewhere sitting around. I thought you were going to say, and one of them's only the lonely. <laughs> no, none of these you've ever heard, which is what makes them worth mentioning. <laughs> so I want to get into a lot of stuff. Davis, Did you bring Martha me the, Davis. Martha was, Davis. Did yeah. you bring me this as a gift? Yes. Is that a puzzle? Yeah, that's a puzzle. Well, open it up. I okay. can see who it's for on the inside of the lid. Awesome. And then he moved and couldn't take it with him because his bass was limited. It's for Todd. Yeah. And for Mickey. Yeah. Oh, for Todd Wolfson. Yeah. Oh, you want me to give it to him? No, 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 no. He I gave that back it. to me when he had to move. Oh, okay. Okay. So, okay. But okay. I'd made that for Perfect. them and he's like, I got too much stuff and I got to get stuff oh, away. Oh, thank so you. This back. Did you see this? That's a... Our birthdays are a day apart. Well, I, many years apart, but sure. on day, day, I'm going to make sure everyone knows. Todd's everyone a lot knows. older than me. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. That's very nice. All right, so let's get back to this record. All right. I hope you are okay. What is the, uh, is that, I mean, obviously that was kind of the thing that was going on, like all the emails and calls you made during 2020 always were like, I hope you're doing okay, yeah, man. you're doing all right. It seemed to be a theme. Um, yeah, and because the record, and at it was no grand plan. I was just fishing around for a title. I had a couple other throwaway titles for the album. Um, and then I was thinking about it one day when it kind of came that time. And I thought, you know, I hope you are okay. That seems to work thematically with everything in it. And it seems, and it's an honest wish. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So. When you first sent, that's the, the subject line in the email. So every time it, it starts, every time I see it, I always think like, I'm fine, man. What do you, what do you, what are they saying? What, what did you hear? <laughs> no, 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 I'm fine. It wasn't so, me. So you'd, you'd write these tunes and record them and then send out the files to like a drummer and then. Yeah. So what I did, the, the basic rule of thumb uh, was uh, I'd kind of block the song. I get the song, the form down. And then I'd uh, sometimes put a little rhythm track or at least a click or something for me to play against um, that would at least allow me to get the right tempo and, and to get kind of the feel going. I still wanted to leave some of that open. Um, and so it would be, you know, scratch vocals and usually scratch piano or guitar and, uh, and, a, and a bass track. And then I'd send that off to Roth to play drums too. And then he would send it back and I would, once I, once we were cool with it and it was usually one or just a couple takes, a couple tries, if that it was usually a lot of times one. And then, uh, I would change up what I was doing a little bit if I had to kind of right. put it more towards his drums somehow. Yeah. And then it would go off to the next person and then come back and I might change things around and then start adding, uh, other vocal harmonies or, or other things I might see that would fit that but i didn't want to give too much because i wanted the people to have be able to take their own direction with things yeah so uh and then it would go to the next person and there was usually four sometimes five people on a song so we would do that and then i'd finish it up and send it off to get mixed 
and then usually start working on the next one. So it was usually just one song at a time. Who were the two guys that did like guitars and did some keyboards and stuff? That was uh, Dave Gregory okay. from uh, from XTC, and then uh, Mike Keneally, <laughs> who is uh, a Zappa guy. Zappa and... and uh, <laughs> Because uh, you can just write these guys, or do you know yeah. them? No, I just... You just did the thing, because you can. You can yeah, get, I, like... I mean, I met Dave... I, I've, I've never met Dave in person. I reached out to him in maybe 2008 and said, you know, here's who I am. Here's some of the music I've worked on, and I, I've worked with some other, like, really good players. And so I'm like, I'm not just some... I felt like I had to convince him. You know, I'm not some, some schmo. Yeah, yeah. But uh, here's a song... I was I'm, in Plum. <laughs> right, exactly. Like, I don't know who that is. Um, so, but I, I sent him some stuff and I, and I said, I'd just love to hire you for a session if you do session work and you have the time and I can afford you and all that. And, uh, and it worked out. And so um, then a couple of years later, Mike Keneally was in town. He was playing on the bill with, uh, or he, I guess he was in Joe Satriani's band. And it turns out that we have a mutual friend. And so I said, could you get a message to him? Because I'd love to, if he has the day off, I'd love to, you know, take him to a restaurant and take him up to my place, record a track and then I'll deliver him back. And that worked out. That's awesome. Yeah. So Dude, I, that's so rad. Well, I ask a lot of people and usually I don't hear back or I get managers that run interference and stuff. Sure. But, uh, but some people say, yeah. And it was actually Mike Keneally and he doesn't remember this, but uh, on that day when he was up hanging out with me, he mentioned or I think I'd mentioned to him that I'd worked with Dave before. And he's like, oh, Dave and I are friends. Okay. In fact, we've talked about playing together. Oh, uh, yeah. And it's just never happened. And I kind of put that in my brain of like, I'd love to get the two of you on a record. Yeah. And it worked out. You did get them on a record. Yeah. Dude, that's so great. What a cool thing to do. Yeah. It's, and everybody. <laughs> you have, your record's so pro. And yeah. it sounds great, man. Like, it really does. Oh, yeah. Who's the guy that, what's the name of the guy that mixed it? Uh, Eric Serafin. He's famous, right? Yeah, he goes, uh, he had an online presence called Mixer Man. I guess he still does, but right, that's right. how he kind of came to notoriety was through that name and some writing he did. But great mixer. Yeah. Really great mixer. And he totally gets, um, I think, on he mixed everything. And maybe twice I said something like, could you, you know, pull half of this word out because it's just too loud you right, know right and we the minorest most teensy little things right so yeah he he we work well together it's nice to find that yeah that's really awesome man yeah what a cool what a great project thank you and it's a great record man thank you it's really great it has this thing like it reminds me of uh every once in a while and i, I guess i notice it with my friends more than like even on regular albums, but there's albums like, uh, do you, you know Miles Zuniga? Yeah. He had put out this solo record like, I don't know, 10, 11 years ago, 12 years ago maybe. Okay. It's fucking brilliant. But it has that vibe. It's like a, a Sunday morning record, like one you put on to listen to the whole thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Thank great you. job. When you sent it to me, I was blown away. I was just like, wow, this is fucking great. Oh, thank you. Yeah. That's just, really nice. You're welcome. Man, I, I, uh, I, I'm, I'm glad that you're out there. Like, I'm just glad people are out there still making music. Like, I get freaked yeah. out sometimes when I see people just kind of stop. Especially now at our age, you're just like, what happened? Yeah, and then there's like the whole hell that is the music business and everything that goes with well, it. Well, no one can really like do that thing of like 
touring and selling CDs at shows. And I mean, it really isn't a thing. Like most people that have it wired and have like big publicists and shit have jobs. Yeah. Like they're just people that got jobs you can do remotely and they tour. Yeah. It's, yeah. um, you know, when we were coming up, you know, it, it used to be like, well, all you really had to worry about were the record companies. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you wanted to get there because you'd get all the exposure and the marketing and they'd pay for a record and all that. You probably weren't going to make any money, but you might, but you had to watch out for you. That's what you'd hear about, you know, bad deals from the record company, right? They're, they're all bad deals. Though. Well, yeah, but that's what you heard about. Yeah. But now it's like, um, yeah, you got to worry about that. And then, well, where's the money coming from? Cause streaming doesn't do it. You know, most people that I know listen to music, Somebody told me that they made a thousand dollars off of their streams last year, and I was like, I saw their numbers. I was like, you didn't make a thousand dollars, man. I didn't. I didn't say it like that. Wow. But I, I. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. What would they get? Like three million something. It, they didn't have three million plays on anything. It was, it was bucks. Yeah. Huh. I think they were. I don't think they really got one, and they're just excited and going like, oh yeah, it's a pain in the ass. I only got a thousand bucks on my Spotify thing, and I was like, oh. That's actually a lot of money. That's what, it's like Bon Jovi money. <laughs> that's right. Right. Well, you know, you hear people talk about their uh, Spotify things, but that's also through a major label. So, yeah, you might make only $1,400 last quarter if you're, you know, a big band. But, you know, how many fingers are pulling out of that pie before it gets to you? Yeah. And that's always been the horrible thing is, um, you know, we always get paid last, but we shouldn't be. No. We should be paid first. No. What is your, what's your racket? What's your day job? What's your... I'm a house dad. That's awesome. Yeah. We also make music. It seems like you've... I've read this thing that... Oh, there was another thing that I remembered. Did you... Was it you that did that George Bush musical? Yeah. Wasn't it you? Yeah. And like Addison was involved, but it was like your thing. George W. Bush singers. Yeah. Yeah. With like Guy Forsyth and Nina and... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All the gang. Yeah. Well, what was that? What do you mean, what was that? I I remember going to Antone's (laughs) and seeing it, but it was a long time ago. I just remember that was a thing. Yeah, that was a thing. It was a total thing. And I went to it to to be like, all right, yeah, fuck that dude. But why were we angry with him at that point? So it wasn't, that's the thing. That's the whole thing is it wasn't anger. It was comedy. So um, I was driving around and uh, and and I've told this, there's a guy on co-op radio. Um, and his name's going to escape still? me. Oh yeah. He still, do, still does a, a show on Saturday called the lounge show. And it's just this beautiful loungy music from. Okay. Now I'm remembering it. Okay. You read this? Go ahead. And yeah, so, yeah. uh, he had this song, uh, by a group. I think they were called the JFK singers and it was, it, it did. They did the thing where it has like this kind of schmaltzy music and it's got, a little clip of JSK of JFK saying like, you know, together we will conquer the stars. And then the choir comes in together, (laughs) together, together. And so I'm listening to this on the radio on the way home. Now I see when you put George Bush in it, it's very funny. I'm like, this is amazing. And then my brain went, well, wouldn't it be funny if, because this is when W had all his gaffes. I'm the decider. Right. I'm the decider. Exactly. (laughs) So I thought, what if we did the exact same thing, but rather than words of wisdom, we just did Bush where he stumbles over all his sentences. 
And uh, I have a friend who is, uh, she works in the record industry and uh, her name's Cheryl and, and she's awesome. And uh, I called her about it. I said, I had the funniest idea for a record. And I told her about it and she said, that's hilarious. And Here's got off the $20 phone. $20 million. Dollars. And, yeah. and got off the phone. And she, and this was in, uh, that's, was it post war? Was it post nine 11? Yeah. This is in 2004. It's before this, the next election, right? This is in like March that I called her and told her this. Okay. And she called me back about five minutes later and said, if you make it, I'll get it released. That's awesome. And so it was like me and the Optagon organ and then <laughs> yeah and some other oh instruments. yeah addison had that optagon yeah that, i think yeah. that one was mine it was yeah congratulations i think uh boyle you still has have it? it no boyle uh, has it now but i have uh there's a guy when i got into the Optagon, i got really into the optagon i found the guy in california who's more into the optagon than anybody he owns the rights and has all the master tapes and all that and he put out a version that i can now use on my computer and, and keep it all like pretty steady wow yeah, so I still use it sometimes. But this whole record, well, not all of it, but the vast majority was, and then, you know, I got a, I put out a cattle call of like, whoever wants to come sing, come sing, we're doing this record. Is, real quickly, the Chamberlain, okay, yeah. so the, the Optagon, for those of you listening, there's a Mellotron, which is, uh, like you know it from uh, Strawberry Fields, that's the most famous, and, because uh, I love you, right. and OK Computer and stuff like that, the voices, the, the flutes and all that stuff, they're tape. Yeah. samples their recordings of tape the optagon is a record is the chamberlain a record uh i think the chamberlain was like an updated mellotron with okay. tapes but okay. i don't i've never played one okay. so but I don't the know. optagon was almost like acetate like it seems like you could only play those things a few times they're real thin and they're flimsy super thin fucking. but they're read optically hence the name optical oh so okay so it's, there's uh, not a needle yeah no and so you get these things these records they were the size of vinyl um and in inside would be a disc and it's this kind of clear plastic disc with these black wavy lines circular around it and so you slide it into the compartment of the octagon and close the door and turn it on it's made by mattel by the way so really oh yeah it looks like it's real weird tan plastic flimsy yeah super crappy yeah and uh (laughs) but and so if you want to make things faster of course everything speeds up but on the left there are these cord buttons Right, right. And the chord button, and there's like, you know, there's a bunch of chords, and they're great, and it's a whole band playing that somebody recorded and mixed and then burned optically onto these discs. That's so weird. It is an absolute strange technology, but uh, you hear it occasionally on, like, Tom Waits records. I've heard it on, uh, I think Fiona Apple had one somewhere on something. And... Oh, I'm sure. If she worked with John Bryan, he's yeah, like an Optagon. Exactly. I mean, I'm sure he's an Optagon. For he me. is. He's yeah. totally, yeah. There's no way he's not. Um, okay, so then it came out. Is so it, can you find that record? Uh, well, I haven't looked, but oh. I, think I, I think I have a couple. But it, yeah, it came out. And uh, I did a bunch of press for it. They got a... Yeah, I remember that. We were in like the Sunday special of the... Uh, like on this... For the... Uh, I think it was the Washington Post. Like big pictures of us. and So he must have seen it. I think so, because um, <laughs> at the time, whoever did the website... Uh, <laughs> Whoever did the website for the George W. Bush singers had something where he, where he could track the IPs and he took a screenshot of it and it had like four people watching from the White House. Oh, yeah. And I was like, okay, that's good. Yeah, we got to him. I'm very happy. 
What did you hope to do? Like, what What did, were you just, just a goof? Like, hey, it I'm was having a goof. fun. It's all it was, it was a goof. Like, I, I left a song off it that was probably the most powerful song because it got, uh, it was like a little too serious, a little too political. Things you know? were intense then. Yeah. Like, I don't know if people remember, like, I mean, because that was like, after the 9-11 sort of like wave of patriotism had taken, mm-hmm. and then people were like pissed off then at George Bush because then he started this war with this Iraq for no reason. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was rough. It was rough. And, uh, <laughs> but the whole point of it was comedy. The whole point of it was comedy. That was it. Just a funny goof. Yeah. And that was it. And uh, sometime after that, I was talking to, um, I think it was Robert Harrison from Cotton Mather. And I said, oh, we, we were just having a phone conversation. I said, oh, that would be really funny to do something like that. And he said, hang on a second, Steve. He's like, because of all the people I know yeah, who would say, yeah. <laughs> hey, this is a funny reason to do something. You're the person who's going to go home and do it. Yeah. Which I appreciated that. Yeah. That's nice. Yeah. <laughs> um, where, are you, where are you from? From Originally California. Okay. What part? Uh, outside of LA, a town called Claremont. Okay. What did your parents, what were your parents? Were they- uh, my dad was an attorney and a teacher, uh, taught law. And my dad's an interesting cat. Like I've seen uh, churches that he helped as the mason on. Oh, really? Wow. I've seen, he used to have these really cool toolboxes that, and I, I tried to find some and then my brother told me, yeah, he made those. You're not going to find those anywhere. Wow. Yeah. He could build anything with his hands. Uh, really like had like the shop and the, garage where you could do anything i learned a lot from him about that kind of stuff and now i've got tools all over my garage too you like one of those dads a little bit yeah teach he, guy, did he teach you how to like change your oil and stuff like that uh i learned that somewhere else but he taught me i mean all his tools were all like the circular saw and the uh, radial arm saw and then all sorts of hand tools and all that yeah so i learned all that from him and then and he's an interesting cat like he went and became an engineer in the 60s he was doing uh building glass parts for computers. Wow. Yeah. In the sixties. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, that's a long time ago. And then, uh, he ended up going to law school and being an attorney for a while and then being, uh, then teaching law. And, uh, now he doesn't do anything. He just hangs out. Just hangs out. Yeah. Is he still, is he still pretty together? Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah he's great. Yeah. Um, what about your brothers and sisters? Where, where do you fall in it? How many I are I have two older brothers. Okay. And, uh, and mom through that time was a real estate agent. And at, at the time, my mom's very sharp woman. She started selling real estate in the sixties. And she's like, my mom is extremely, uh, organized, conscientious. And she is the most, uh, upbeat person you'll ever meet in your life. Like no question. I don't care how many people you've met. She is the quintessential person. If you put her in a party where she doesn't know anybody yeah. in an hour, she'll know everybody and they'll all know her and they'll all love her. Like she just has that thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't, <laughs> I lack that thing entirely, but my mom has it totally. And she was, um, she started selling real estate and she looked around. She's like, real estate salesmen are looked at like a half step better than used car salesmen. Yeah. They're really kind of crappy. And they're not, they don't have a good reputation. She's like, but if I go into that space and I'm organized, I do what I say I'm going to do. I do the thing and blah, 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 blah. She was perfect for that job. And so she started working out of her home in the seventies, maybe even the sixties and raised the three of us 
while my dad went off to work. So she would do whatever she had to do with us and then juggle her schedule so she could sell real estate and was very, very successful at it. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. So what, how did music get to you? Like what, what were you on the trajectory to be? I have no idea. No, no. My mom, in addition to all that was also a classically trained pianist. Um, and really, really good. And uh, her teachers wanted her to have a career as a traveling pianist. And she didn't want to do that. And my dad, I don't know if my dad still sings, but he is a huge choral music guy and a singer. So I got it from them. You know, I grew up singing in choirs and going to church and doing all that. But when did you get the bug? Like to be... I started on violin when I was four. I didn't like it. So I switched to piano when I was five. Uh, But our teacher was this little Polish Jew named Menachem Mirapolsky, who thought that everything was Beethoven and everything less was nothing. Right, right. (laughs) Which, you know... Yeah, uh, that's cool and all, but it didn't really speak to me. And I, he was he was a great teacher. And then I, I had a couple other piano teachers, which I quit when I was twelve. And then when I was fourteen, my uh, my parents got me a bass guitar for my birthday. My, one of my brothers played drums, and the other one and is a good drummer, and the other one is a good guitar player. And so they convinced my parents to get me a bass, and that was sort of the downfall. The first power trio. Yeah, I wasn't good enough to play in their band. Okay, for a long time, like oh, his little brother. Oh. Yeah. You know. <laughs> Did you uh who were your first like bass idols? Like Getty Lee? No, I really so the first thing I had to learn when I was when I got this bass cuz I didn't even know what a bass was. You know, to me it right, was just right. it was just music. Sure. Like music came out, I could yeah. you know, if it was a solo piano piece, okay, I could dig that. But if you asked me to tell you like what was on a Beatles record, you know, and I always had like records and tapes and all sorts of crap. All, all of us did in the house. So there was always music playing. Um, I couldn't tell you if you then sat me down and said, what are all the instruments on this song? Right. I probably wouldn't be able to tell you just because I'd never thought about it. Sure. It was just a song. It's beautiful. Yeah. So my first teacher um, who went on to be like a very renowned guitar teacher named Pepper Brown, um, his first task with me was was two well, there were two the one was just getting the physicality of your hands on the instrument sure right? your left hand coming around and one finger per fret and all that exercise but then to train my ear to be able to listen to a piece of music and hear that that was the bass right so once i did that it, things started to come really quick because i have a good ear and my hands are all right i'm not and i loved doing it so i would listen to um, I remember like some of the records, like some police records and stuff, like you'd put them on, but the songs had been tweaked and mastering. So they weren't, they were all a little bit out of tune with each other. Right. So I'd play the first song and then in that little gap between the next song, I'd start retuning my bass. So when the next song came in, I could oh, wow. play to that one. Yeah. And then the same thing with the next song. And I had all that down and wow. Yeah. So I just, cause I figured that's what you did. You just, that's how you, nobody <laughs> told me it was wrong. You just right, played. Right. So the, the people that really got me, so I loved those sting bass lines huh. on those early police sides, awful space and implication, you know? Yeah. I loved a guy named, uh, Mark Bedford from madness. Huh? Um, David Steele from the English beat, Horace Panter from the specials. New wave um, guys. Yeah, they were all... Reggae uh, ska guys, too. Reggae ska, like yeah. second wave ska. And then from there, you know, I, I'm, I always 
like hearing where stuff came from. So all of that took me back even farther into like first wave ska, like Desmond Decker and Prince Buster. And, sure. Uh, there were a lot of reggae dudes in my town. A lot of people liked getting high. So I heard a lot of Peter Tosh and a lot of Bob Marley and, you know, all that stuff was floating around. Graham maybe from the Joe Jackson band. Oh, yeah. All those guys played really cool bass lines. And yeah. kind of danced around. I love that. Is the bass line of, she was like, don't, don't, don't. Yeah, it's fucking great. Oh, it's great. Yeah. Yeah, he has a lot of really cool ones that are just... I I fell in love with a bass line. Yeah. You know? Not just like the bass player jamming underneath the song, but something that is composed that works and the whole song sets on it. I don't do it very well, and I don't do it as often as I like, but boy, a good one is just perfect. Yeah, perfect. It's unbelievable. It's like a song within... It's like its own song by itself. It works. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, what, how, what did you do to get, did you have bands in high school? Did you play like the music of the day? Yeah. I had a band in high school that was, uh, we used to do the high school dances. It was a four piece. And, uh, what were you called? The Wire. That's a good name. Yeah. Usually, usually his names are pretentious because people want to sound, you know what I mean? (laughs) Or like Fatal Mist or something, (laughs) like something super metal. (laughs) fatal miss no we were cool too because we had like uh we would write our own songs yeah we would do um uh of a three-hour dance where we took a couple 15-minute breaks we would have maybe a third of that was original songs wow that's a lot yeah we had like a full bit and when i was 15 i think uh we won a battle of the bands at the pomona valley auditorium in pomona california and uh, one of the things we won was a recording session. And so we went into this little tiny place in Laverne, California, long gone, called Dragonville Studios and recorded the f- four tracks. And through all the moves I've done all over the place, I still have that quarter-inch master tape. And about, I don't know, maybe four or five years ago now, I sent it off to a mastering engineer I know who made it digital. We put up like McNair? a little... No, no, uh, Jim Wilson. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I, it was Jim. I miss Jim Wilson. Yeah, it was somebody. I think it was Jim. Is he still doing it? I have no idea. Okay, I haven't talked ahead. to him Sorry, forever. To but we, uh, we put it out. I think it's on like, uh, like Bandcamp or something now. And I reached out to the guys in the band, <laughs> the two that I could find. And I was like, hey, it's here if you want to go. And they're like, oh, my God, you still have this. And I'm like, yeah. Dude, cool. that is so cool, man. That is so cool. Yeah. So funny. So uh, what did you guys end up like what, at school, like high school ended? Everyone went their own way. It's like the summer of 69 song. Yeah, pretty much. We, uh, I mean, I remember playing in bars when I was like 16 yeah. years old. That's You cool. know, I couldn't get into the bar, sure, but I sure. could play the gig yeah. and play in house parties and wherever anyone would let us play. Yeah. Just, you know, crazy high school parties of people throwing shit. And... I, st- I have a junior high, the first house party I played. I keep that picture up there because I want to remember what that guy was thinking all the time. Yeah, oh, that guy didn't give a shit if he got paid, nothing. That yeah. was like playing fun. Kayla's birthday with my little PV amp on a, yeah. on a paint bucket. That was just amazing. It's, it's like <laughs> I can do this thing. It's yeah, awesome. Check yeah, it out. Like flying. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So after that, um, I took some time. I traveled a little bit. I had some injuries I had to recover from, some broken limbs, uh, which, yeah, a lot, lot going on there. <laughs> uh, and I ended up at San Jose State. It was the only college I could find in the state system that did three things that I was 
kind of graphic design, which okay. I've always loved and, you know, visual arts, music. And uh, my parents were like, well, because you can't decide on anything, go to a place that has a business major. Right. That'll transfer to anything. Right. And then uh, that first year, I ended up with a roommate who was a singer in the music department. And he used to hear me practice. And he'd be like, I, was, I mean, I was playing some pretty heavy stuff just all by ear. I was playing Jocko lines and all sorts of stuff because that's... Yeah. You know, I just thought that's how, what you did. You yeah, know? Yeah. And I knew other bass players that would teach me things and show me stuff. And I would, you know, just pick, I was like a big musical sponge when you're 17, 18 years old. Yeah. And, uh, and he's like, you know, you're too good to not be in the music department. And so that year when they were doing juries for the seniors and some of the other members, sure. he talked to some of the teachers and got me an audition for the music department. And so I just walked in and sat down and they're like, so what are you going to play for us? I'm like, I, I don't know. Like I can play some stuff and they're like, okay, play for us. And I played a couple things and I think, uh, the teacher said, uh, so if I played like a blues and G here at the piano, could you play along? I'm like, I think so. I just got to make sure I know where G is. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I studied music, sure, sure. but I just never translated it to the bass cause I've never had to do that. Right. So I, uh, he started playing and I very quickly was like, oh, there it is. And we played a few verses in G and, you know, played some shit that I'd copped on from bass lines and stuff. And it was cool stuff. And then they asked me a couple other things. Uh, and it would, then it was more of a conversation at the end. They're like, yeah, you're in the music department if you want to do it. Wow. And I said, great. And I thought like, well, hey, this shit's easy. And then uh, the next year, the first day of class uh, of an ensemble class, they put a chart in front of me uh, for uh, Goodbye Pork Pie Hat, which is a Mingus song. And, you know, it's a jazz chart. It's got the melody, and then above it, it's got the chord symbols. Sure. And I'm looking at that, and uh, I, I look at the teacher, and I'm like, I have no idea what to do here. Like, oh, shit. <laughs> and he said, uh, well, that's sort of the bare minimum of what you have to do in this <laughs> class. I'm like, crap. And so my roommate, a different roommate at the time, was a guitar player in that class. He says, I'll show him. He'll be all right. And that was a Tuesday. It was a Tuesday, Thursday class. So we went back to our apartment on Tuesday. He showed me kind of what all oh, this is major. This is minor. Here's where the sevens are, all that. Yeah. And I practiced that day and I practiced the Wednesday and I went to the Thursday rehearsal and I could play a goodbye pork pie hat and start to wrap my head around that. Wow. Yeah. That was a fucking frantic couple of days though. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's just like, uh, it's like, I know how to do this, but I don't know how to do it with my eyes. It's right. like this whole other thing right. of notation and... So did you graduate from there? No, I, uh, I was in the music department for like a year and a half, took another year off, uh, went traveling, and then I got into Berkeley and went there. Oh, shit. Is that where you met Bill Leffler? Yeah. Okay. So Bill Leffler, uh, for those listening, I had a band called Gaudi. Bill Leffler had come from this band Plum mm -hmm. that was with yeah. you uh, and Seed. and Yeah, we'd all um, met. John, Bookout, Bill Leffler, and I, we'd all met at Berkeley. Okay. So Plum was a Berkeley band. We were from there, but we never. You guys were like a pop band. Yeah, I, yeah, I did, guess we did, did play we? there. This is what I'm trying to. It was right at the end of our school. Yeah. Okay, so you guys met. You went to Berkeley. You finished out there. Mm -hmm. What did you get your degree in? Bass performance. Okay, I didn't know if it was like whatever kind of thing you get there. <laughs> <laughs> I, my goal here here was my goal was that if I couldn't make it as a. Uh, in a band that was like my band, right? Like our band, like we're a band of this is us. Right, right. If that didn't work, then I could play bass with anybody. Sure. 
And that was really, uh, that was my focus. And I, I think, you know, I did pretty good at that. But then I realized after a while, I really don't like playing with other people too, too much. Like it's hard for me because what I really like more than anything is songwriting. Yeah. And if I start playing somebody else's music too much, their music starts to kind of filter into my own thing. Yeah. And it's, then it's very difficult. I remember I was playing in Billy Harvey's band one night and I was walking to the gig and I started singing this song in my head and I'm like, this is so cool. Oh, this is a cool song. And you know, like I'm I'm thinking, I'm like, I don't have a pencil. I don't have paper. How am I going to remember this? Right. And so I start doing like all the little mental tricks you do to remember songs. And I, you know, I'm sure everybody's got their own. So I start doing that and I'm thinking, okay, it's this note. And then you go there and this is how I play it. And this is what it would be. And this is what the rhythm is. And he's trying to do all this stuff to like fucking remember. Cause I know if I go five seconds without it, it's going to be gone. Yeah. And then I get halfway through this. And I'm like, this is such a cool idea. And I can hear the next part. Oh, damn it. This is a song I'm playing tonight with Billy's band. It's like, yeah. Damn it. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. a really cool song. too. Yeah. I love his songs. Oh, well, he's great. Yeah. Okay. So how did you guys all move to Austin? That's the question. So you, we, you're wanted, Berkeley. we wanted to stay together because we liked playing together. what you were doing. Together. Yeah. Okay. It was really cool. Um, John was from outside Philly. I was from outside LA. Bill was from Houston. outside Houston. Yeah. yeah. And we were like, we have no idea where to go. Uh, they didn't really want to go to LA. I didn't want to go to New York. Or, you know, it was just so Austin. I'd never been to Austin. Uh, and we just kind of ended up here. That was, the, the, we could agree on it. What year was that that you moved here? 93. Okay. So it's like when Mr. Rocket Baby started playing and stuff. And Yeah. Yeah. And you guys pretty much started. Did, we, did you guys do a residency with us? Because I remember doing... Sh- at least more than one show with you guys. I'm not sure. Uh, we, I don't think we did a residency with you. I, I, I'm not even sure that we played the same bill, but we definitely knew of each other. You guys were, I remember seeing you guys and thinking, oh crap, if that's the kind of band that's in this town. Yeah. Shit. That's nice to say. I just, friend, you guys were great. This friend of mine, Dave, Dave Camp. Did you ever know? Him? I remember I played yeah. with Dave. You know, he passed away. Yeah, sadly. I heard that. Um, he said when he first saw Mr. Rocket Baby that there was no way he could do that many drugs. But we weren't even on, we were, I mean, we smoked weed, but we weren't like a, on drugs. <laughs> like band. It was such a fun band though. Like I remember like I could hear a bunch of your influences. Yeah. No. That was, well, that kept us, that was like when all the labels came to see us, it was like, yeah, come back when you sound like a band that doesn't sound like everyone they listen to. But it was, but it was so, it was such, like I didn't hear any other bands that were influenced by those things. You know what I mean? Right. And it was such a great, I thought it was a great mix of stuff. And it was like, this is just so good. Thanks. It was just so fucking good. I thought and then the same you, thing about you guys. Oh, thanks. And then you guys, I don't know what happened. Like you guys just weren't a band. I guess how bands no, so break up. We, like when, you know how like if, if, if a band, um, like that band just kind of was like, seriously, like the third week we were together, we were going to be huge. Like it was that kind of thing. Like our yeah. first gigs were opening. Our first two gigs were opening for David. And then uh, uh, what, the Bob Schneider funk band of the time. Or Joe Rocket. Joe Rocket. Joe yeah. Rocket. And yeah, yeah. so we immediately were in front of a lot of people. Yep. And we were really seemed like we were having a good time. Yeah. I mean, we were, you know, it was a fun band. Um, anyway, all right. So you guys played 
you guys came here, you started playing, mm-hmm. and then what happened to you guys? Uh, we played for about 10 years, and it seemed, after, after a while, it kind of seemed like uh, you know, 10 years is a long time to feel like you don't really have much traction. You know, yeah, <laughs> and so yeah, it, we never officially broke up. We're still friends. Yeah, uh, John and Stuart played with me uh, last week, two weeks ago. I did a gig. Oh, I, I was going to ask that. How are you doing gigs? You're doing them. Yeah, where are you playing? We played at the Carousel Lounge. Oh, nice. Yeah, I like that room. I do too. I it's, like that place a lot. Yeah, it's. Uh, can bring it's, your own booze. Can, can you? you? I don't know. You used to be able to. That was, they sold setups. I That's how know. long it's been since I've been there. So. I know uh, I know it's only beer and wine, so maybe you can. Yeah, they used to be. You could you could bring your own. I used to always bring my own bottle, and they'd sell me Sprite. I'd have vodka and Sprite. Well, what's strange is we got in there, and I'm uh, we're setting up and stuff, and and uh, I'm looking at John, and John's like, "Oh, we've played here before," and I'm like, "I think I would have remembered this place." <laughs> and he says, "No, we've played here." And then uh, then Stuart said, "Oh yeah, remember that time we played here?" And I'm like, "Okay, I guess I guess we did." <laughs> no recollection Crazy. only the vaguest hint but if you had asked me before they said anything i would say no i've never played the carousel Lounge. but it's a great room yeah and i know i've been there yeah it's kind of a room where you just kind of it's yours like yeah. it's it's a weird looking room but whatever you bring to that place yeah. is what ha- it's not like it's saxon pub or something where there's already a vibe and a thing happening yeah. Like you just kind of bring in your own trip to the play. It's kind of cool like that. Yeah. And it's, I mean, where else are you going to play, share a stage with a giant pink elephant? Nowhere. Exactly. Did you draw that elephant on the cover of your album? No, a friend of mine did that. Really good friend of mine. Yeah. Thank you. Brooks Bergen, who is, uh, he's done a bunch of my album covers and is just amazing painter. Yeah. And This, uh, this is your first album though, under your own name, right? That's correct. Yeah. Okay. So you played with Casey uh, with you played with Casey Crowley, right? I did, yeah. And you yeah. played with Billy Harvey, yeah. And who else did you play with around those times? Uh, Patricia Vaughn. Oh, really? Uh huh. She's great. I uh, played with uh, David Garza. Oh, really? Yeah. When did you? What era was that? Ninety four, ninety five. It was. I subbed with him for like five or six gigs. That's awesome. Yeah, I did uh, Cotton Mather. Oh yeah. Yeah, I followed. So we were talking about George Reef. I've. I followed him into, I think, four or five bands. We were hanging out one day and tried to figure all the bands that he played in, and then he recommended me for the gig when he couldn't do it. Cotton Mather, that was one. Yeah. Did he, did you guys, did he record one of your records, George Reef? No. Did you ever do a thing with him when he got that studio at his house? I worked with George at his studio at his house, but I never, it was always my own project. It wasn't something with George. Yeah, the, what do you call it? The finishing school. Yeah. Yeah. That was a great room. Yeah, it was a great room. I did some horn overdubs there, and I did a, I did a Brazilian thing up there. And was, what Brazilian thing? Um, my wife is from Brazil, and so some years ago I wrote her a samba, and then I wrote another one kind of for her dad and the football club they like. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. You're a nice guy, Steve. Oh, thank you. People are probably happy to hear that stuff. <laughs> um, are you playing with anyone else now? Do you do any... Going out and playing with people? No, I did. I'd love to. It, despite what I said about uh, about you know other people's music getting too much in my head, man. I just, but there's there are great people like you didn't. There's not one dud that you named in that thing where you're like, oh god, that must have been a pain in the ass. Oh no, no. They Play with great. David must have been so fun. Oh, it was insane. It was great because uh, 
we used to go see movies fairly regularly together. And he's like, oh, I'm, I'm going to be missing a bass player. Do you want to do it? I said, yeah, I'd love to. Who are you replacing, Jim? Um, Cock? No. It was a guy. Clay? No, it wasn't. It was after Clay. Chepo? Pre-Chepo. Pre-Chepo. It was Michael Hale. It was me. I liked, I liked that band, the Chepo, Nina, and fucking Sean band. That was just, that was a cool band. Uh, Thomas, John Thomason? John Thomason. It was him. Yeah, I think it was he's him. He's famous. He plays with somebody huge, doesn't he? I have no idea. I think he does. I think he plays with like Pink or something like that. Wow. Really good bass player. I had to follow his shoes. And again, it was a, for a short thing. But the trip was, is that uh, I asked David, I'm like, all right, you want to rehearse? He's like, yeah, bring your bass over. So I bring my bass over to his place. And he shows me like, he starts a song. I get into it. He's like, and here's how it ends. And he ends it. He's like, all right, the next song. And we spend like a minute on a song. Yeah. And he showed me like 15, 16, 17, 18. Okay, great. And gave me a bunch of CDs that had the song marked which ones I needed to learn. I'm like, okay. So I would go home and learn. And this is like just a few days notice. This is, that was the rehearsal. Yeah. And then uh, we went out and did shows and every show he would call songs that I'd never yeah. heard before. Yeah. And you're in a trio. There's no place to hide. Yeah. Uh, so it was like, okay. That's the magic for him. He likes being out there on that tightrope. It's funny being like a pop guy. Yeah. Like, you know, especially like a band that has like backing vocals. You have to rehearse a bunch of stuff. There's more than one other person singing backing vocals. You got to have a, yeah. you got to practice or you're going to sound like shit. Yeah. He's really good at it. It's fucking great, man. He is amazing. at it. And he's, I mean, so he t- first of all, is extremely musical person. Great voice. Great songwriter, great guitar player. He might be so the most musical person that I know, like personally. Yeah, he's just huge brain with that stuff. And then he gets into that situation. It's a dangerous situation, right? And you see him smiling and laughing through that danger. Yeah. And so it becomes like he's he realizes, I think, that this, you know, we could all fall in the water. But boy, it's going to be fun. I don't think it's fun for him if if that's not involved. I really don't. Like I I I I don't see I like I was watching a thing just on fucking Instagram from Largo where he was backing up uh uh John C Riley. Okay. I can't remember what song John C Riley was singing, but it was David and a bass guy and David was just and you could just you could I you cuz you you know him. Yeah. You know what I mean? And you know you're like Nobody practiced any fucking thing. And no. they sound like better than any version of this song oh. I've ever heard. And it's, yeah. it, I mean, one of the beautiful things about it is, um, we used to talk, it's funny, he and I used to talk about this stuff all the time, that it was like, the way that the song is on the record, that's not the way the song is. That's the way you played it that day. That's exactly right. You know? Yeah. And it's like, oh, yeah. But we get locked into that because whenever you hear song x or whatever it's yeah. the song in the record so you yeah. start to think like oh that's the way the song goes no that's just the way they did it that day right it's weird on like in skyrocket when you try and learn where you learn these songs you, you learn the parts verbatim but you realize like every once in a while you'll come across a guy where you're like this guy didn't plan this guy's just fucking this guy's <laughs> just doing whatever the hell he wants that day yeah and it turned out to be just the bitching part for the song yeah yeah i remember reading about um los lobos where uh they played the track and uh, I think this is on the record Kiko, which is one of my very favorite records. Um, Hidalgo went out and he's like getting sounds on his amp just to make sure that like the signal chain is good and everything. He's kind of playing along with the song. Yeah. Uh, and he's like, all right, let's go. And, and the engineer's like, no, that was it. You got it. Yeah. <laughs> like, 
That was perfect. Next. Yeah. I love it. Who was that? Was that, uh, was that the guy? The... I think it was either Mitchell Froome or Chad Blake. The okay. engineer, you mean, or the guitar player? The, the guitar. I mean, the, the engineer. I think it was engineer. Mitchell Froome, Chad Blake. Yeah. T. Chad Blake. Those guys. Jesus, man. They made some great records. <sighs> so good. Um, all right. So, uh, so what happens now? You have this record out and you occasionally play shows? Yeah, we just did our first one. Why so didn't now... you tell me about it? I, I don't. Didn't I? Did you? I, yeah, the thing is in Facebook, like you're not, you know what I mean? Unless yeah. you're buying ads, no yeah. one knows you're doing anything. Yeah, that was kind of a knees up one to kind of get it together. Uh, but hopefully we'll be doing more. Yeah, you're playing under Steve McAllister, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah first time ever. Is that weird? Very, Scary? very, yeah. Well, you should be proud, man. You made a really great record. Thank you. And you really went about doing it like the right way. Oh, wait a minute. What was the music for the World Economic Forum? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> what the fuck is that? Yeah, so you know the World Economic Forum, Davos, yeah. Switzerland. Yeah. Um, no, I don't. But I've heard of the World Economic Forum, but I don't know any of the stuff about it. Well, it's, you know. When I hear that, I seem like the, I'm intimidated by the name and I'm like, oh, I just stay quiet. Yeah, hey. it's, it's like econo the economic elites of the world get sure. together and talk about the world <laughs> and the economy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it's kind of a forum. Sure, sure. Which is where they get their name. Um, and so they do this in Davos and they do one, uh, they do some in China. They do a bunch now. They used to just be one, I think, and now they do a bunch. But um, I was hired to do music for uh, the conferences, uh, to, like playing over the background. How did they find you? A uh, friend of a friend okay. who knew what I did and said, hey, could you do this gig? And I was like, yeah. And so I did f maybe four conferences. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay. The other question I have goes all the way back to the beginning. How did you end up writing songs with Martha Davis? How did that? Friend of a friend. That's uh, always the way it works. Who you know? Yeah. I, yeah. A, a friend was in town. I was like, and I met Martha. And I'm like, oh, she's really cool. And she's like, hey, do you, you guys should write songs together. And she said, let's go. And we went up to a hotel room. Uh, and we sat on the floor with a little cassette recorder. Yeah. Pre-iPhone. And sat down and, and banged out a couple things. I played guitar. And I was a, I'm not a great guitarist anyway. But I was super crappy then. But it was just the two of us, and we banged it out, and I've got these songs sitting around somewhere with her singing and wow. playing guitar, yeah. That's always weird, isn't it? Yeah. Do you ever see her again? Nothing? Never saw her again. Um, I tried to get in I wanted to get in touch with her through our mutual friend, but apparently there'd been a fracture there, so that, that wasn't happens. easy. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, you know, it, it, songs are really slippery things, as you probably know. Yeah. Like, you'll end up with, um, you know, you put out an album... And that's like those songs. Well, you kind of nailed those down. You got these 10 songs or 12 songs. Like this is, yeah, I got those. Yeah. But there was that one that I wrote that was like that country song that we did that little version of that I sent over there. And oh, yeah. there was that song I did for this weird little contest over yeah. there. And then somebody wanted a thing and I made this thing and sent that out. And you forget about them. And yeah. you got like these little songs sitting around somewhere. And it's like, oh, crap. Right. I remember that. I actually, I didn't, I didn't do, a, I didn't go into full on writing mode in 2020. Like I did have like the, oh shit, I've just been going since I was like a kid. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I've just been going. I don't have to be anywhere for the first time in a long time. Like yeah. no work, no, it was a drag. I doubled down on podcast stuff, but I, I did a lot of walking around. I did a lot of nothing for the first like month and a half. Yeah. Like I did a lot of podcast stuff, but I just kind of like smoked a bunch of weed <laughs> made weird food 
Yeah. <laughs> hate it. And hate <laughs> just, it. Yeah. Just kind of like hung out by myself a lot. It was weird. But then uh, then I started writing. But I've, I've written so much with other people over the last decade that I did one of those things like a month ago where I was like, what, the, what do I do? What do? I know I've written yeah. a bunch of songs, but where are they? So I started kind of going through and finding them and realizing like, wow, I've really done a lot of work, but like not for me. It's great. Yeah. You think you're going to be writing? Are you going to you going to make another Steve McAllister album? Yeah, I have to. Yeah, I've already got two songs okay. that are started that Good. I'm trying to figure out and try. I'm in that beginning stages of kind of blocking them together. Of like, I get this part and I get that part now. How do they fit and what do they do? And then you know, yeah, all that little stuff. I it's I I can't not do it. You know? No. It's, I, I know. I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. It's it just it's there, and then what happens is, and I don't. It, I'd be interesting to hear your take on this because I know mine very well. Mm-hmm. So I can pick up a guitar, piano, sit at a piano, and I'm not great at these instruments, but I can come up with something, you know? Yeah. And most times it's pretty forgettable. Right. But sometimes there's something in it that kind of sticks in my brain like a little burr. And then I, and I'll know, like, I, I have to see this one through. And then, and uh, and sometimes it takes a very, very, very long time, and sometimes they're super fast. Yeah. But and they're all different, and uh, but it's finding that burr, and and then it's kind of like try, it's finding the ones that stick, and then trying to make them stick in my head even more, right. trying to make me like them even more. Right. And uh, you know, I, if I don't like it enough, I'll never come back to it. And if I like it, okay, maybe I'll get a second part. But if I like it, well, maybe I'll finish writing it. And then maybe I'll record it. And then maybe I'll get other people to record right. on it too. So it's this huge thing of like, yeah. of these songs. But it's always, yeah, there's always something on that continuum. Yeah. If yeah. I, there's, I mean, to me, it's the same thing. It's funny because I, I have been, for the last, I guess, like six months or so, uh, writing with drum machine and bass just because I'm so tired of my chord choices yeah. that I can find alternate chords to use when I hit a G on a bass note other than G. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's one of my great failings as a piano player is I understand what I'm playing, but I'm not very good at it. So I make mistakes and sometimes those mistakes are really nice yeah. uh, opportunities. Yeah. And I, I realize it's, faulty reasoning to say if i became a better piano player that would never happen it's not true but uh i i like that kind of feeling i get that on guitar sometimes also yeah me too it's, it's always nice to do different stuff i have weird oh i don't have them over there anymore but i have like an omnichord and shit like that just oh. this weird casio that i've actually written a shitload of songs on just the automatic chord things like you just yeah. kind of hit them and then you're like oh that's cool yeah start singing something well one of the things i love maybe most of all about songwriting is finding new harmony you know finding chords that fit together in ways that uh uh i can't call it new because there's really nothing new but but finding a way to do things that's unusual but also is really right for the song yeah you know yeah i love that it's xdc's superpower sometimes yeah yeah sometimes sometimes yeah you're a great writer yeah it's awesome that you got that dude to play guitar on there. He's so good. He's so good. The guitar on the everything on the record's great. Stuart he, Cochran can't yeah. not say anything about Stuart. He's yeah. great. But Dave and Mike, so these guys are. I mean, they play anything on guitar. They've 
play anything. Well, the one guy played with Zappa. And the yeah. other, I mean, XCC, you got to be like almost Zappa level to be in that band, right? You can't oh, be yeah. some guy just off yeah. the street. Yeah. But they didn't, um, they play, the, the overriding thing for both of those guys is they are just incredibly musical. So it's not like, oh, here's a song with a prog solo on it. You right, know what I mean? Right, it's right. like, no, these are just, I have no idea how difficult the guitar parts are. I think some of them are probably really hard, but. Uh, they're really but they're, tasteful. But they're beautiful yeah. and tasteful and yeah. suit the song. And it's. Yeah, you don't notice that they're hard. That's the, that's like, no one's trying to impress you with how complicated something is. It's right. like Mike Campbell kind of guitar playing exactly. where it's like elegance and like, hey, here's, here's what fits this song, even though I know I could shred yep. if I needed to. Yeah, and that's, I mean, that's my favorite kind yeah. of musicianship. Yeah, me too. Well, dude, this record's great. I Hope You Are Okay is the name of the record. You can find it at stevemcallistermusic.com. You can find it on Spotify and all the places that you, uh, that you stream the music. And the George Bush Singers, that's not The somewhere. George W. Bush Singers? George I, w. I, it's got to be available. I wonder on... if it would still be funny now. Like if you played it for someone that was like 20 years old, that, that wasn't around for that. I don't know. Feeling if it's still fun. That'd be interesting to find out. How old are your kids? I've got one who's 21, so maybe I'll ask him. Wow. Yeah. How, how old are the other ones? How uh, many do you have? 13 and 11. Wow. Yeah. Did they have school today? Or they didn't? Cause no, Columbus Day. Yeah. So they got Or Indigenous Peoples Day. Very weird that now it's both. It's like a slash holiday. It oh. is. It's Columbus Day slash. Indi- so it's kind of like. Well, it used to be President's Day, then it's MLK Day. But do they still have President's Day? Or no, it used to be days. They're different. No, days. it used to be Washington's birthday and Lincoln's birthday. Right, and now, and they, now they, they just made that one. They combined them. Then they combined President's Day yeah. and they have MLK Day. They wanted Donald Trump to have a day, <laughs> and George W. Bush. Yeah, guys, they weren't getting get days. They they didn't get their day, so everybody's included. James Everybody K. Polk, wins. he's in there. He's in there. Calvin Coolidge in. I forget about some of those. I forget about James K. Polk. When yeah. I hear his name, I'm like, oh yeah, it's a president because I used to know all their names. Oh. So here's a, here's a little mental exercise I do from time to time. Okay. Um, I'll try to remember things that I haven't done recently, right? I'll, and I'll try to make a list of, uh, what have we had, 45, 46 presidents? I'll try to list as many as I can. I don't have to do them in order or anything, but right, just right. to see like if my brain can contain this. Right. I'll sometimes try to, like now would be a good time to do it because I haven't played in a long time, but try to remember all the 40 squares of a Monopoly board. Shit, that's a lot. Or try to name all 50 states. I think I can do that one. I usually get pretty close. Sometimes I've, I've gotten 50. Usually I get like 49. And yeah. you know, but it's just a fun little mental exercise of like, you know, where are the, how does my brain work? What am yeah. I trying to figure out here? What do yeah. I remember? Well, you got to keep sharp, man. We're getting old now. We are getting old. <laughs> we're not just young punks at Steamboat. No, no, we're not. Do you, do you, you talk to Leffler? He's a dad occasionally it's been a while yeah 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 he's a dad um <laughs> that makes me laugh so hard to think that that's someone's dad that's so great <laughs> well i haven't really talked Seems to like him in a great. long time but i would imagine he has mellowed some i don't know have you talked to him lately um i you know it's always just real it's what anar went to la and hung out with him a couple months ago and uh it's just the same <laughs> he's the same he's always just funny and going i'm probably the same yeah i mean i don't know i still i still feel like i'm i think you know, i'm way less intense i know what i was like back then 
and I don't ever want to be that guy again. <laughs> I had a lot of drive. Okay. And I was able to do a lot of stuff, but I don't I don't want that intensity in me anymore. It yeah. was terrible. The whole drive, I don't know. <laughs> it was terrible. <laughs> was it? Well, I mean, once I didn't, well, not that I don't have drive, but once that stopped consuming my whole being and my whole self-worth isn't wrapped up in what is happening on this show. You know what I mean? Like yeah, there was yeah, so yeah. much of that in my life growing up and like, yeah. It's something was going to define who I was, and then I just realized one day that I was just a guy, and yeah. there wasn't really like just relax, dude. Yeah. And I felt a whole lot better, <laughs> and a lot more people like me. Funny how that happens. <laughs> yeah. It's like you realize the stuff that you can actually have control over, and it's almost nothing. And yeah, it's like oh, yeah, yeah, cool. Well, that took a lot of pressure off, didn't it? I wish I wish that was a weird. I wish that was a lesson you could learn. <laughs> Your youth. I'll tell you, one of the coolest lessons I learned was from Rupert Neve. Um, I went and met him once down at his place. I was writing for Tape Op, and I did a big interview with Rupert. Oh. Did you write the one that Spencer took the pictures for? Uh Uh-huh. Look at that. I read that article. Great job. Oh, cool. Thank you. All I did was transcribe exactly what he said. I'm like, I'm not going to screw this up. Yeah. Because it's Rupert Neve. Yeah. Um, But I was asking him about, uh, like, his process... You know, let's say somebody comes to him and, and wants him to design a mic pre. Okay, mm-hmm. great. Um, what does, you know, and then like a review comes out of it and people, whatever. And he's like, oh, I, I don't ever worry about what people think of it. And I said, how do you not worry about what people think of it? And he said, well, because a company comes to me, we agree on what it is, what their design specs are, what they want, what they want it to do, how much they're paying me. We'd work all this stuff out. And then I do my very best work to make it reach their parameters of what they want. And I turn that in. If I've done my best work, but what someone else thinks of it is irrelevant. Totally. And I'm like, that is it. Yeah. That's exactly. That's where it's at. Yeah. How you have to worry about anything. God, he was cool, man. I've got a stack of, of, tape ops why did they start canceling like, they cancel my thing like i'm asking you like I have, you know. I have no idea uh i haven't yeah, they, for them in like 20 years constantly they're i mean they're like oh your subscriptions are you're like why do i have to renew this every three months now I it used know. to be like every couple of years or something i have no idea anyway great magazine yeah a lot of fun great job and thank dude you. great having you on the show thank people you so get much. out there and check out uh steve mccallister music.com check out i hope you are okay great having you on the show Thanks for having me, man. It's really cool. Yeah. I'm getting started again. That was Steve McAllister. His brand new record is called I Hope You Are Okay. Go to stevemcallistermusic.com for all of your Steve McAllister needs. Thank you, Steve, for coming on the show. Well, when I come back from New York, one of the things I will do is make this puzzle. Put this puzzle together. That'll be my jam. Thanks again for listening to the show. I want to thank Steve for doing the show. I love that dude. He's a very creative guy. This record's fantastic. It was fun reminiscing about all those old times, right? It is. It is fun. You look back on your life with your old pals and you're like, remember that? Remember Steamboat? (laughs) Great talking to Steve. Hey, gang, don't forget when you're checking out stevemcallistermusic.com, you can find us wherever it is you stream and download music, be it Spotify, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Overcast, Amazon, whatever they do their Amazon podcasts with. Audible, is that what it is? I don't know what they do, dude. 
I can't keep up with everyone. I really can't. I keep up with like seven things and that's it. But you can find it at Google Podcast. Just get out there. Wherever it is you podcast, we're there. And if you just happen to come across it, don't forget to like us. Don't forget to follow us. It's easy for you, but it means a lot to us. Thanks again for listening to the show. Have a great weekend. Whatever it is you're doing, I'll tell you all about New York on Tuesday. Let's get down. Because I love you.